Welcome into this episode of Show Your Scars with Jordan Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. We may not choose for this to happen to us, but we appreciate who we become in the process. Now let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. everyone welcome to show your scars it's jordan here and i wanted to do another just a shout out to someone who's reached out to me and i thought she had a really interesting story and i wanted to share it with you christelle monterosa is an award-winning dancer and producer and she has just recently torn her acl actually in december i caught up with her last month in may and we talked about a few different things first of all she's a flamenco dancer and If you haven't ever seen that dance, it is a thing of beauty. She talks a little bit about how it originated and how she got into it and her background in it. And then we kind of dive straight into how she got injured and the fate of having her family around in that moment of vulnerability was really important to her. We talk about a few different things and some similarities that we have, but also some of the things that she's learned. We talk about why we kiss our knees every day, how you need to be patient and kind to yourself. The idea of the ACL community and how she has found a lot of strength within the Instagram and ACL club on different types of media. The emotions that come up during the process and how we can doubt ourselves, especially when you're getting back to doing the thing that we love and maybe that we missed the most during our injury recovery and how those doubts and those emotions make us adaptable, that they force adaptation within ourselves. And sitting in those moments of doubt, in those moments of fear, and recognizing what comes up can actually help you grow a lot. I really thought this conversation with Christelle was great, and I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I do. Here she is. So thanks for talking to me and reaching out. Uh, I guess I just want to hear more about kind of what's going on with you and your your background a little bit because you're a dancer and that's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, so my background is um, I'm French Salvadorian, born here in California. I was born in Oakland. And thanks to my dad's job, we started traveling pretty early on. Um, we moved back to Puerto Rico where my parents were studying when I was three months old. And then from then, we just didn't stop moving. So uh, every two and a half years, we moved to a new country. And when we got to Spain, when I was six, um, I discovered this crazy dance they had with all these pretty dresses and <laughs> pretty flowers. And I was just kind of uh, curious and fascinated and terrified <laughs> by yeah how amazing and powerful and um, just inspiring that that dance form was. I had done ballet when I was four, so I've just always loved to dance. But in Spain, kind of being in the the crux of where flamenco is born as a young child, I just received a really really special, like, uh, baptism, which was the cultural integration of this is not just about a dance form it's about actually like a lifestyle and people celebrate 
their big spring fairs and everybody's dressed up in flamenco dresses and Sevillana dresses with flowers and horses and everybody's dancing in these casetas and it's just a, a big cultural affair uh, with the folkloric dances and flamenco in the south. So I really, I really fell in love with that when I was six. That's really um, interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know that it was so much involved in the culture and what um, the celebrations and that's really cool because it's for you and, and maybe moving around that might maybe felt like you could grasp onto that and maybe take it with you wherever you go. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really just like hit it on the, it was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really was something that started to help me define at that young age, right? Who I was mm -hmm. as a girl, um, what it looked like to kind of be accepted into a society through an art form. Um, flamenco in itself has many different dances in it. There are some that are very deep and very um, and very heavy in what they're representing, the story of the gypsies and their persecution throughout many years of, um, of their story being built. Um, the original gypsy tribes moved from India, the Bayaders, the, the, and the Romani people, um, were originally dancing in the caves and in the temples of India. Wow. And in, in, the, in the 1400s, they started moving towards um, Western Europe. And they kind of landed in Spain after incorporating all these amazing dance forms like the court dances of France and then Jewish and Sephardic singing uh the chants that they have that was also incorporated into the dance and the Moorish influence in southern Spain, all that crystallized to create this dance form that is multi-ethnic and multicultural, but now is rep representative of Spain. So I think that multicultural aspect is something I connected with as, mm -hmm. uh, as a, a white and Latin young yeah. girl of trying to find her place in the world and I I never let go yeah that's really cool and so yeah. you start started there and you said you moved how long were you in Spain like once this started and you were there did you move back to the U.S. or did you move again yeah. after that so when we were in Spain I was actually competing in Sevillana's uh, competitions and uh, we won first place at the competition and then all of a sudden it was like oh my gosh this, this is this is fun and demanding but there was something about me that kind of um thrived in the competition like uh -huh. I really felt nervous I just felt like whoa cool we get to do this and just be really hyper focused and that 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 ability to just get lost in the moment when you're performing competing um it, it's something so it's just something so powerful yeah. that allows me to just lose myself in the moment and be completely taken and transported by the dance. And it almost felt like it was outside of my control. And that's something that I have continued to look for in my artistic work as a performer. So when we moved from Spain, we moved to California and my parents were obviously uh, very aware that I had connected with this dance form and they saw that there was actually um, 
casting call for the Nutcracker, and they were looking for a Spanish dancer for the Nutcracker. We had moved to Monterey Bay. My dad uh-huh. was studying at the beautiful. Graduate College. Yeah, super beautiful, super beautiful. And um, I started attending middle school there. Um, but um, when I auditioned for the Spanish dancer at this international school of dance with a Russian ballet teacher who ran it, and it was just, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very traditional in right. in that this whole audition process and and such. But I actually got in, and and I got the part, and I met my mentor Alicia, the woman that would become my mentor, the woman that would be my teacher still to this mm-hmm. day, over twenty years later. <laughs> wow! I met her. Yeah, and she and she taught me this traditional dance from Aragon called Jota, and that's what I performed in The Nutcracker, and that was my beginning of my relationship with her. Um, and then I started attending her dance classes. And, you know, it wasn't easy at the beginning because there weren't many girls my age that had that much experience with flamenco. So I was an 11-year-old girl in a class with adults. I was going to say, yeah, you probably were – a child amongst um, many older people. Yeah, and that, that had, you know, two sides to it. Some people uh-huh. thought it was really cool that Alicia believed that a class should be an intergenerational experience and that it should be about the dance. And, okay, if an 11-year-old can do the dance, okay, then she should be in the class, right? It's, uh-huh. it's not like I, It's not like I was holding back the class in any way, but some adults, it was really hard for them to accept that there was a child and that I was just so at ease. And so I was also so serious about it. Like I was just really focused and I really Mm -hmm. cared about it. And um, as, as you so well picked up on, it was my, it was my need for finding roots. And the truth is that this is a dance that very much, um, my dance teacher, Alicia, she compares it to being a moving tree. It's about the bottom of your body and your legs and all of the lower body being connected to the earth and rooted. And yet the upper body is flourishing like the branches of a tree and oh. reaching more towards the upper world. So you're a moving tree as a flamenco dancer. That's a really beautiful visual. Yeah. Yeah, and she was an amazing teacher, and she protected yeah. me a bit from all that backlash because, you know, adults and people and women. Right. Yeah, it's tough. We can be so great with each other, but we yeah. can be so harsh. I know, yeah. So then, so how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 30 now. 30? Oh, I'm 32. Look at us. Yay! <laughs> um, so you you have been just learning and a lot from Alicia. Is that who mostly you've been learning from, or now that you've moved? Because now you live in the LA area, is that correct? Yes. Now I live in LA, and I've had multiple teachers. I mean, when I started in Spain, I studied with Anselmo de Jerez, and I learned bulerias uh, with him and his form of Sevillana because uh, each teacher teaches you their own style mm, of the cool. historic dance. So, um, and then I've taken workshops with amazing teachers like Mechis Meralda and Rocio Molina, which are in the international circus touring and performing. Um, but, yeah, my my real 
my real mentor and teacher, the person who sees beyond my steps, the person who sees to what my heart is communicating and what I what I really want to transmit, that's Alicia. Mm-hmm. And she's so, still my mentor. Yeah. How do you talk to her often? Yeah, we were just texting before talking. With you. <laughs> we talk. We talk all the time, especially now because we're sharing a project which involves um, documenting my journey from my injury mm-hmm. back to recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, in parallel with her uh, daily struggles and daily challenges with autoimmune disease because she has rheumatoid arthritis. She has deformed feet, deformed hands, but she is still dancing at age 75. Wow. She has lupus, which is a degenerative disease in the sense that mm-hmm. it, it's present in many ways and it affects you uh, energy-wise, it just affects many areas of your body. And this is actually Lupus Awareness Month. So I'm trying to connect mm-hmm. with organizations um, in the lupus world regarding yeah. the documentary and all that. And um, we're going to do a parallel because I guess I can segue into my injury if you want. Yeah, and, yeah and that would be great. How, yeah, how that whole process was for me. So. On December uh, 27th of 2016, I was skiing up in Lake Tahoe, and I fell on my last run of the day. Uh, We were up on a blue with my brother, and it got cold, and it got windy, and uh, it got icy, and that famous last run when you're retired and going all day, I just, I gave out. Like, I lost control in a bend. And um, I'm in no means, you know, a a great skier. I was still, you know, I was still learning, but I had had a really good run that day. And I've, you know, I've skied a couple times before. Um, So for me, the first thought was like, oh, shit, my New Year's Eve gig. Yeah. Because New Year's Eve was three days later, and I was supposed to be dancing flamenco with a whole band. And... I knew the minute I fell, I felt my knee just kind of something was wrong. Right. And I, and I thought I heard the pop. I thought I heard it. And then, you know, down at the clinic, they're like, well, maybe it was just your foot popping out of the ski. And I was just like, okay, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Let's just all say maybe and maybe it won't just be that way. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe. And I I really tried to stay positive, right? The x ray right. came back. No, no bones were broken. And uh, I immediately called my health insurance the next day. And the first day, all we did was ice and elevate. Um, and uh, I, I was able to set up an appointment literally a week later, thank goodness, oh, with, good. uh, with I think I was able to get my MRI and then mark it as urgent and be able to go in to see the ortho the next day with the MRI. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, that worked out well. And he was like, mm, yeah, uh, you have an MCL sprain, probably an LCL sprain. You have multiple bone contusions, and you've definitely torn your ACL. <laughs> oh. And I just could not even, like, handle it because I had stayed so positive that whole week. I'm like, hopefully it's just a sprain. Let's just have right. it. Let's just 
stay off of it. I was crutching, staying off of it. I didn't wait there that whole week just from fear that, you know, I didn't know if it was meniscus. We, we didn't know. So I was like, mm-hmm. let's just. Um, and my family was here and they were extremely supportive. It was kind of just crazy, amazing timing to have actually like both my parents visiting and my brother, because right now my brother is in Malta, my mom is in Paris and my father is in Mexico. So oh my that's God. a few of our lives. <laughs> wow. So they all happen to be here in California right after my injury. And on the day of, my brother's the one who went and got help actually on the slope. Oh, uh-huh. And from what I remember hearing from you, your brother has been, has torn his ACL before? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm really grateful that right after the injury, he didn't say anything about the ACL. All he said is like, yeah, let's just ice. And after I came back from the doctor's appointment, that with the surgeon, right, the ortho, and I was just like bawling. I was yeah. just bawling. I was like, when he was telling me, yeah, rehabs is generally like nine to 12 months, especially with athletes. We don't want them to start too early because then they get back to their, you know, their respective mm-hmm. career and they can get injured. So we, you know, we generally try to at least nine months. And I was just like, what? Nine months? Why no dancing? Right. What? <laughs> right. Everything in my brain was going tuk, tuk, tuk. So when I came home and my brother saw me and heard, he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, he knew better than anyone because mm-hmm. he's had three ACL surgeries. Ugh. The second one was because he uh, actually the graft didn't take because he got Ugh. a donor graft of the second one. And that was pretty heartbreaking to have to get it again. Um so he's a trooper, and uh, he was just like, uh, he just knew. And it was it was really comforting, and it was really interesting for our relationship, for my little brother, who's five and a half years younger than me, to kind of be, than me, to be in a position of like, hey, this is, this is what it's going to be. This is what it's about. You know, he kind of let me process my feelings, and then I was just like, oh, my God, surgery. They're going to cut into me. My knee, will I ever be the same? Will I be able mm-hmm. to dance like I used to? Like all these thoughts were just going through my head and my heart was just breaking. Yeah. And so nice to have that. Um, you know, that's what I try to do with ACL Club is just provide people with that sense of comfort. Like everybody yeah. has those feelings, right? Everybody has, maybe it's not exactly like yours, like, we try to be optimistic at the beginning. We know something's wrong, but we try to be optimistic. And then we find out, and it's like all that that we've been holding in for so long, it just, like, explodes. And we're like, no, why? And to have someone so close to you also have gone through that and to be there to support you is um, really, it's, it's so helpful. Yeah. I agree. It's just crazy how the odds worked out because if he had been on the other side of the world, yeah, sure, we would have WhatsApped about it or Skyped or FaceTimed, but the mm-hmm. fact that he was here in my apartment in L.A. just yeah. kind of like with me and, and telling me, okay, you know, you're going to be fine. It's really hard the first week, but, you know, you'll get through it. You'll do the rehab. We'll find a good PT. So he just really comforted me with words that um, that stuck, which were, you'll be able to get back to it. And I saw him. He was obviously skiing after three ACL games. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, think, I think what you're saying is really important. The power of community, mm-hmm. especially in moments of real challenge and of difficulty, the power of community is, 
it's almost impossible to actually quantify how how beneficial it can be. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just like uh, faith. You know, faith is something that I think people, you read books or hear doctors say, like, I can't explain something. And it's just these people's faith was so much bigger than something. And it's, and it's inexplainable. And I think community has the ability to have that same, like, inexplicable power around it. Like, just to say, like, lock arms with people and be like, I got you. I know what it's yeah. like, but you can do this. Like, then that em- yeah. empowers them to know that they can. And to see someone so similar to them in whatever walk of life, their walk of life could be different, but the similarities of the process are so similar that um, it really is its empowering. Yeah, and there's a really important thing that I've noticed from the online community with the ACL uh, reconstruction and ACL uh, recovery hashtag and just mm-hmm. the online community that you've created and other groups have created. What I've noticed is that it it like it goes above and beyond boundaries of you know countries and languages and like you said professions. And all of a sudden, everybody's finding themselves there because we have this one thing in common, no matter what combination of injuries we have in that area. And some people going through nine surgeries. I mean, the heartbreak I feel when I see that some people have gone through so many surgeries, it's just like I I can't even explain the empathy that it Mm -hmm. stimulates in me and the desire to help. It's just, it's. I go on there and I try to be as positive as possible because, I mean, that's part of who I am and how I am. I'm a cheerleader for others, and I love supporting and inspiring others. And as an artist, that's kind of my job to be a social advocate. Uh But when I go on those communities, sometimes I see that the mental game is really what's getting people. So I kind of try to go in and just like, a little, just a little light, maybe like a little lighthouse effect and try to just shine a little light and a little bit of support and a little bit of just, yeah, have faith in yourself. And even mm-hmm. if right now you're not getting the results you want, even if right now it's not looking as good as it should be or you'd like it to be or the doctors say it should be, whatever, just trust in yourself, trust in the process and that yeah. you are heading in the right direction because that is the one cool thing about time in the fact that it is linear and it does move forward. It is, it, it is an opportunity each day for something to get better for, for us to be able to wake up and tomorrow to actually be a better day and be able to bend more tomorrow and PT yeah. and be able to squat lower and be able to jump higher. It, that's the amazing thing about being alive is we have that capacity to regenerate mm-hmm. and to grow. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by my body right now. I kiss my knees almost every day because I'm just like, I love you both. Yeah. You know, I love you right knee for being so strong right now and taking on a little bit extra of the weight and supporting me when I still don't feel so confident on right. my left knee. And I love you left knee for the magic you're doing in there. <laughs> That's so funny because I kiss my knees too. I'm I go to yeah I go to yoga a lot and at the end of a lot of classes they're like you know now go into the tightest ball you can and I'll kiss both my knees because I'm like thank you 
Like, I think that's the real cool thing in, in a lot of the things that you were just saying is this idea of gratitude that yeah. and, and humility. And I feel like in the world, those two things get lost a little bit. And oh, yeah. I think that um, the empathy, the humility, and the, the gratitude in this process has to come to the surface. And you start learning things about yourself that you didn't really understand was in there. And yeah. you refocus your mind into these ways of thinking, like every day is an opportunity to make it better and not like – and it's your choice, right? Every single day is your choice of how you want to – you know, I can wake up and say my knee hurts, and then I could be yeah. like, oh, it hurts, blah, 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 and go down the bad path. Or I can say, all right, my knee aches a little. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just do – you know, I'm going to do something to make it feel better. I'm going to ice it a little bit. and and just see how it feels after that and then go from there and not dwell on the fact that like, yeah, this is, yeah. this sucks. But I think the dwelling is the part where people get stuck and for you yeah. providing light and the community uh-huh. providing light is, is so helpful. And it's something that I always talk about because I, when I was kind of creating this and thinking about this, I <laughs> had realized that this is the, I kept thinking in my mind, this is the largest club in sports. It's the largest club because it's not any specific sport, you know, it goes from dance to professional football. You know, that's a big, (laughs) that's a big range of of sports right there. It hits all uh, demographics. It hits all countries, um, males and females. And I'm like, it's, of course, I don't want anyone to join the ACL club. That is not my, my point in this whole, you know, quest that I'm after. But my point is that, like, if you are, if you do join it, and it can be by accident, it can be, you know, through just a lot of the times it's just, it's an accident. If you join it, like, there are so many people here that make you feel so connected and accepted and that you can do this, that it's a really cool club to be a part of. and. Yeah like you just said, when you feel it, the empathy of feeling what somebody else goes through just connects you with these people that you just see on the, in the gym or at a field. You're like, oh, I have the same knee scar. Like, how did you, you tear your ACL? And it's like automatically you're connected with these people. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. It connects us to each other. And plus, it makes you feel like you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was so scared even when my family was here, there was a moment where I went into my room by myself and I mm-hmm. just cried and I let myself grieve Good. what wouldn't be. I let right. myself grieve that I had to cancel my New Year's Eve gig and then subsequently I had to turn down seven flamenco gigs in the span of wow. like a couple weeks. It's like the wow. universe was, it was kind of cuckoo. So I was like, wow, what am I learning in this? Mm-hmm. And then I told myself, you know what? I need a creative project to help me and to motivate me. And maybe, just maybe, this can help and inspire others too, if I do it right. Yeah. So I thought okay. about Alicia. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that because this is really cool. And I think this is going to be such a fun um, thing for people to kind of follow and then you know, in whatever way we can link this out to, like, if people, if you need support or help out, like, I just think it it would be really cool. So start kind of, you know, you had this idea that you had to do something creative, and then this idea just popped into your mind, or what? So, 
So after my injury and after the original grieving and feeling sorry for myself and victimizing and going to some really dark places, mm-hmm. <laughs> some really dark places where I was just like, oh, my God, what if my career is over? What if I can't dance flamenco again? What if my footwork can't get yep. to what it was? Just all the fears, right? The, yeah. the what if. Once I went to that phase, um, something, I, I'm not sure exactly how it came to me, but at some point in the midst of that dark, messy, gray, black time, I thought, well, my mind can take me into a really dark place. If I let it, it can affect the outcome of what is going to happen right now. It could affect my PT before the surgery. It can affect my PT after the surgery. It can affect my fear around the surgery because I had so much fear because it was my first surgery ever. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, if my mind can go to that dark place, it can do that to me. Then what if I try to give my mind a creative project to work and focus on as part of the recovery that motivates me and helps and takes me out of going into a dark spiral. Yeah. I thought to myself, oh, I'm a performing artist. I'm a trained actress. I've produced award-winning play. I've produced award-winning choreography work. What if I combine my talents and I make a film that documents this journey with the highs and lows, the reality of it, not a Hollywood version, the reality Mm -hmm. of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I make a parallel with someone who is 75 years old and has an autoimmune disease and has deformity in her feet and her hands and still dances, still teaches, still performs. And I show that in that intergenerational relationship, amidst our challenges and difficulties, we are each other's cheerleaders and we are each other's truth seekers because there are days where things are bad and things don't feel great and we allow ourselves to talk about it or we sing it out or we write a poem or we speak in poetry and Mm -hmm. we find a creative way to channel those things. And what if we challenge ourselves to go even further and pursue a dream that Alicia and I have had, which is to trace the Hondo Flamenco, which is the most ancient, deeply profound type of flamenco art form, Mm -hmm. and we trace it all the way back to India and to Spain, and we go on this quest and this journey to do this together, and that is part of our creative healing amidst these challenges. It's a project that we have, we're going and heading towards. So we're documenting our journeys. I'm working on getting funding right now with grants and fiscal sponsorship and private investors to help me make this journey happen so that possibly this story, this intergenerational love story between a student and her teacher, which there are not that many out there, Mm-hmm. It's not very common that you actually hear of a 75- and 30-year-old woman doing something together creatively. Yeah. 
What if we can inspire others with our journey of recovery and our journey of dealing with challenges and actually making a dream come true? I, I mean, I'm inspired just listening listening to you talk about it. And I think the coolest thing about it and what's going to inspire a lot of people is I think in the world now we want to, like, get out of hard situations, right? We want to – not have to go to the store so we have our groceries delivered or we don't want to you know we try to push the easy button whenever we can and i think that what's cool about what you guys are doing is you're sitting in the pain and you're saying like come at me like give me your best shot because i'm going to deal with you and in the process i'm going to learn so much about me and the way i connect with not only myself but with others and you know, ultimately for you guys, this dance that has brought you together. Yes. Yes. And that's what we say, that we're, we're facing the pain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that me, the amazing thing that I'm learning about myself since the beginning of the year, because I started New Year's with my leg propped up and icing. Mm-hmm. I'm just learning that when I can be kind with myself and when I can be patient with myself and when I can be with myself with where I am today, I'm actually healing myself. I'm allowing myself to be. And I am also using the power of my mind to take myself a a step further, to, to push myself a little bit more because I'm also accepting where I am. I'm not living the past of all the great things that I used to do and that I can't do. I'm not trying to project too much into the future of what could be and not be because that's fear-based and it's really scary and it doesn't really support me. I kind of just wake up and see, hey, where are we at today? Oh, good. Okay, we're feeling pretty good. Let's go and bike 20 minutes. Let's go and do this. Hey, let's run over the flamenco choreography that you're going to perform this weekend for the first Mm -hmm. time that you're performing since 2016, and it's going to be a very gentle show. I'm doing mostly a romantic piece with fan work and poetry. But hey, for me, this is this is ice cream. This is, is the that best this thing ice cream this weekend, Saturday. Oh my gosh! Yay! How do you feel about that? Like, how, what emotions does that bring up? It brings up a lot of excitement right now. Um, when I first thought about it, I was like, will I'd be able to reach people and um, why do you think you thought that? Because I am a bundle of energy when I perform Mm. and the words that generally are associated with Christelle Montrosa performing are charisma, energy, fire. And right now the piece that I'm going to do is classical and slow and gentle and romantic but mm-hmm. it's actually perfect for a wedding. I just I'm used to performing at weddings, really lively pieces that keep get people up to dance, and I'll get them up to dance after I do my performance. So the, the, I had a thought for a minute where I was like, if I'm not doing my fire thing, if I'm not doing my 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 my, uh, my super energetic, charismatic performing, will I be able to reach them as much? Will, will it will it matter as much that I and there, and and I was I was really interested and actually curious that that feeling came up. Yeah, me too. And I was like, oh wow. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. It was like a vulnerability. It was a really deep vulnerability that I'm I'm a very confident performer. I've been performing since I was four years old. Like I you know, I, I rarely feel that way. So it was interesting to have that. Yeah. And I and then I thought, well, you're going to give them a gift. First of all, you're gifting this to these people you love. So this mm-hmm. is a gift. And you're gonna be uh supported by a guitarist that you love. And um yeah, I'm going to give what you can give, and that's exactly. going to be okay. I think <laughs> that I would just encourage you because I can sense even in that moment when you're talking about it, you talk about it differently. I yeah. I encourage you to not worry about what you bring but who you are because I think that's what people connect with. They connect with who you are in those moments. So, yes, in certain dances you have to be energetic. You have to be fire but in this dance you have to be love and yeah. um you know be that like don't worry so much about the just connect with it if you connect with it right yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be wonderful and yeah. don't worry about it what it's not what it's not to you just yeah I think I think just bring what that that charisma that you have and everything else that we we've been talking about like you have a powerful way to connect with people and I can sense that even talking to you over the phone. So uh, be be true to that, right, Crystal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and my gut knows that. And my gut yeah. knows that. I think but it's it, the ego comes in to peek its it head and kind of and kind of mess a little bit with you and I'm like, Okay, ego, th- thank you for watching out for my uh-huh. perfectionism. <laughs> But right now we're going to be perfectly okay with what is, and um, it is a celebration of love, and that's what matters. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that when I am there and I'm fully connected in that moment, I just get lost in that emotion and that feeling that I'm transmitting, mm-hmm. and I and I trust it. I think yep. the anticipation now is just also a bit like, oh my gosh, it's my first time performing again. <laughs> yeah, we overthink it, overthink it, right? We're overthinking it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think those are thoughts and doubts and things that come up in everybody's journey back to full health and you know performance and whatever capacity that may be. And I think it's in those moments where you have to go back to what you were saying about when I'm patient and kind to myself, I'm allowing myself to heal. Like this is just another step in your healing, right? Because you're saying your body is like, I can do this. Remember? Like, remember I can do this. And your brain is saying, you're right. I can. And it's going to be, you know, I, I'm excited. I want somebody to film this. Like, this is so cool. Yes. 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 I want to do this too. Yeah, if we do this podcast, well, for you, too, in your journey, like, how huge is this yeah. with your docu- documentary? But it could yeah. be cool with the podcast and, like, people hearing you chat about this process and how you're handling it and then to, to connect with you on this level of seeing you dance. It would be beautiful. I would love that, and, and that is part of the plan. I have my camera and my setup, and uh, my boyfriend's coming with me. Um, there's going to be a couple filmmakers there, so the idea is just to bring the camera and and set it up for the right moment and mm-hmm. just ha- record. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's yep. the plan. Love it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited <laughs> for you right now. <laughs> Thank you. I love talking to you. You have such 
just a, a, a beautiful, powerful strength and um, just very inspiring nature. Like your desire to help is so, and, and I feel it through your posts and I feel it through the ACL club. And I think that's, it's been really crazy because I've been talking about it to people, like just people who, who aren't going through the ACL journey. I'm like, oh my gosh, and in the club I saw this and I saw this person say that. Or in the club I saw those scars and then my scars. And I was like, wow, people are really getting caught up about this. And I was just, I was really, I was really um, amazed by how kind people are to each other and how supportive mm-hmm. they are on each of those posts. And I'm like, oh, this, this, is, this is humanity. This, this yeah. is the world I want to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the biggest things in all of this is it can feel so like tunnel vision, right? You're in this path and I have to get better and I have to do this. And um, I, you know, it's all about your process. But the thing about a community and about these posts is you're allowed to like gain some perspective and say, oh, I remember what it was like at, two months like keep going and then that perspective and that uh, ability to give back and help other people actually makes you feel better right and then when you feel better you have the ability to grow and and realize that yes these are tough I'm not saying that this isn't a tough process I know you know it's hard but like it could be worse right you you talk about the things that your your teacher goes through and that is challenging in every cell of your body every single day and um to be in pain to do the thing you love every single day yeah just that perspective I think is really uh encouraging in a strange way and powerful in the way that it can transform your perspective yeah well she's so powerful because she does not give in to the darkness She sees the darkness. She faces it. She dances with it. She writes poems about it. She has this book, The Woman's Way, which is beautiful. I could totally share um, it with you. Uh, It's just little poems, but it's like it's monologues on separation. And, Mm -hmm. and, And that can be artistic. That can be a human relationship. You know, that can be a miscarriage. That can be early on abuse as a child. Just very interesting how she's chosen the creative path and I'm like okay well if I can teach those tools if I can go into East LA with the open floor society for example that I work with and I can teach those tools to the youth and I can be like okay these are tools that are now yours and this is how I'm going to teach them to you through this dance form we're going to work on here I am no so sad that the rest of the podcast that we recorded with Christelle got cut off but she was talking about how she is learning so much in this process of her injury recovery that she wants to give back and help the youth realize that through struggle they can come out uh, and figure out more about themselves in those moments of struggle in times that are tough so I, I love Christelle's heart and how she talks throughout this podcast about the things that mean a lot to her about her doubts about coming back. And I'm going to share with you guys on the ACL club's Instagram, her dancing, because I think it was so beautiful and and something that you would all love to see how she's adapted herself in this moment of she can't use all of her leg strength yet that she would normally use as that strong tree. She talked about in her flamenco dancing 
her legs would be her, her roots. She can't use them yet, so she's still dancing in a way that makes her heart happy and she can share that with other people, yet she's doing it seated, and it was really beautiful to see. So I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Christelle and kind of the things that have popped up for her and how it doesn't matter what activity and what athletic movement you're a part of. You could be a football player to a dancer and we all have these same kind of thoughts that pop up. Getting back to what you love to do is not easy, but with the right mindset and the ability to see things as an opportunity, you can find joy in the process. And I think Christelle is a good example of that. I will tag her Instagram and you can follow her journey towards the documentary she was talking about and working with her teacher. And I think that's going to be such a beautiful thing she'll create. So email us, info at the ACL Club. Write us on Instagram, the ACL Club, or you can find us at Show Your Scars Podcast. Either one of those, we would love to hear from you guys and see what you think and maybe something that you got out of this. Starting next week, I'm going to give an iTunes review shout out before every podcast and just thank the people who are listening and let you know that we appreciate you taking just a minute of your time to tell us what you think and giving us a review on iTunes so we can help more people get through the injury recovery process. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to them, too, because when they find the Show Your Scars podcast, I've been getting some good emails from people, and that's what really means the most and some good reviews. So thank you guys for doing that. And let's go out there today, show our scars with one another, but let's share our strengths. Give somebody a high five. Give somebody a hug. Maybe sit down and talk to somebody about just life. You don't have to talk about your injury. Just let go and uh, see what comes up. Connect with one another. And always show your scars with pride.